0: the all-new chevy colorado is made for more stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad plus it features wireless apple carplay and android auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you chevy colorado made for more learn more at chevrolet.com slash truck slash colorado claims based on latest competitive data This is the On the Banks podcast, presented by SB Nation. Welcome to the On the Banks podcast. I'm your host Greg Petuto here on Thursday, September 15th. Another victory week for Rutgers, improving to two and zero with a blowout victory over Wagner on Saturday, preparing for its final non-conference game of the season. As the Scarlet Knights travel to Lincoln Financial to take on a Temple team that has a new head coach, is continuing its rebuild, and a team that Rutgers dominated last year in week one, so looking to move to 3-0 and for the first time on the season. I am joined in this episode by Ryan Wallen, the Temple beat writer at Owls Daily over at 24-7 Sports to break down the matchup, break down the game, and some aspects that we should keep an eye on on this Temple Owls football team when Saturday approaches. As always, we have to take a quick look around Rutgers and the sports in the fall that are successful, and that begins with the girls' soccer team moving to 8-0-0 on the season for the second time in program history. They complete a perfect non-conference schedule as they move into the gauntlet of Big Ten play, and they did it in impressive fashion with – a 3 to 2 victory over LSU over the weekend and a game they trailed 2 nothing at halftime LSU jumped out to jumped out very quickly scoring two goals in the first 11 minutes so this was a real test for this Rutgers team that you know it's hard to remember the last time they fell behind two goals in a game nonetheless the first 11 minutes trailing at halftime Um, And the second half was just a completely different story. They came out and did what they do best. Sam Kroger finished with two goals, both assisted by Riley Tiernan. Both of those players have six of their their respective stats um, that I just mentioned. And that was a gut gut check for Rutgers a bit. They came out very slow. That second half, they needed to turn it on. um, And that's what they did preparing for this Big Ten schedule. You know, Rutgers is one of the best teams in the country, That's that's goes without saying, regardless of the rankings, which we have seen to be a bit off, a bit strange at time the way they do things. They're one of the best teams in the country, and it's showing um, with their schedule, they'll be able to show it off a little more, and immediately tested in this Big Ten schedule, when you look at their, their first games, they open up. Um the conference schedule at home against Ohio State number twenty one in the country on Sunday before taking on number eight Penn State in University Park next Thursday, which will be an exciting game to watch and again, a real early conference schedule test for both sides. Moving into field hockey, they are three and three on the season, coming off a four to one loss um, against number seventeen Princeton, but the two wins before impressed me the most two defensive games against ranked teams both won one nothing we we mentioned that win on september 2nd one to nothing over yukon and most recently september 9th for last friday a one to nothing victory against monmouth in double overtime number 25 in the country these are games that are showing growth showing improvement and it's going to help Rutgers toward the end of the season. It's amazing looking at their schedule, the gauntlet that they play as well. I mentioned it with um, the women's soccer team, but the field hockey team as well. It's all, They're three and three, six games in. They only have three more games on their schedule against teams that are not ranked. And that includes three in the top four and the number one team in Northwestern. So this young, talented field hockey team will have to come together if they want to make a similar run to last season and they have that chance they have the talent they have the ability now it's just got to all come together they have a chance to pick up a victory on friday in east lansing against michigan state one of the three unranked teams left on the schedule um their first conference game of the season so there's a chance to start out hot there as well the defense has been strong but they haven't scored many goals just six goals in those six games they're averaging one a game so that's something that we'll have to pick up um and it will as again you keep going you keep getting this experience and the team gels um with some new players and some new positions and of course the Rutgers football team a 66 to 7 win over wagner now this is a game we didn't really break down or preview because there wasn't a lot of juice. This wasn't going to be, you know, the sexy game on the schedule for college football fans. Uh, Wagner is one of the worst teams in the one of the worst FCS teams in the country. You could make an argument for. It. They haven't won a game now in about three years, a little over three years. So you knew what this game was going to be. Rutgers showed it by scoring four times in the first quarter to put the game away early. The main thing I was focused on is what is Rutgers going to show? What are they going to work on when this game gets out of hand, which it did in that first quarter and by halftime, you know, score of 38 to 7. Rutgers could really showcase whatever they wanted. So offensively, I want to start with the quarterback position. And I think the question that everyone should be asking themselves right now, and again, it's just two games. It's a very small sample size, but is Evan Simon the best quarterback on this roster right now? I'm not sure if that's an overreaction, but it's a conversation that should be had. He finished 10 for 13, 151 yards, two scores in that win over Wagner. He played a role, obviously, in the Boston College game going back and forth with Gavin Wimsat. It's time to think, is Simon the guy? And I know Rutgers wants to use this multi-quarterback system. I personally don't agree with it. I'm more old school where I like, one, I like to name a starter, name a quarterback. This situation is a bit different because we don't know who the best is yet. But is there going to be a chance that Simon wins this job outright? You know, Wimsat came in last year at the age of a high school senior. So he's still young. He's still raw. And being a freshman this year, he, he has shown that, that inability to throw the ball a little bit. That's something that needs to be developed, needs to be worked on. By Greg Schiano, Sean Gleason, and this Rutgers coaching staff, he's very good with his legs. He's a great athlete. Had sixty rushing yards, sixty-two rushing yards, excuse me, against Wagner in that victory. But he finished just four of eleven, threw an interception. He has not shown consistency throwing the football yet, and that will come with age. But right now, this is not saying Rutgers is you know a big tank of ten or anything like that. But this is a team that will be fighting for a bowl game, starting out three and zero. If they're able to take down Temple. So it, you have to play your best players. If Simon is more polished and more experienced. If he has that um, that ability. He needs to be under center. You know, I'm sorry to say. I know fans want to see Wimsap. But there's going to be plenty to see over the next three years. From this prospect. Right now you want to play your guys. And it's unfair also to Simon. To be put on the bench or be losing reps. You know when he deserves to be getting them. When you look in the backfield, Rutgers showed plenty of depth, plenty of speed in that backfield, and this was a question mark coming into the season. Not necessarily wondering if the talent's there, but just how Shiano was going to use his running backs. And again, we had a chance on Saturday to get some different guys into the game and the, and it begins with Rashad Rochelle who was recruited as a wide receiver and he was second on the team in that game with 11 carries you know total 41 yards scored a touchdown only 3.7 yards to carry but the but the amount of work that he got was interesting because he's a player with speed and out of the wide receiver position it makes you think if he'll be kind of an Aaron Krukschak type that will be used many ways within this offense Samuel Brown was able to Get more experience, led the team with 12 carries, scored twice. And, of course, we know what Kyle Manungai is. Al-Shadi Salam, again, 69 yards, led the team with a touchdown. He's the most interesting one because of his speed. Aaron Young was still out with an injury. But this is a talented backfield. I think going into Big Ten play – Fans should feel excited about what they've seen out of the running back position and mainly the speed because in the Big Ten, you obviously want to win in the trenches. The offensive line has to gel, but having speed that can get to the outside is something that is beneficial if the middle is clogged up. And, and it's shown that Rutgers has that, especially if Rochelle is going to be able to be used in that way around the edge, whether it be as a slot receiver, jet sweeps, options with a Wimpset in the game, all of that stuff. I'll talk a little more about this and the upcoming matchup with Temple following my interview with Ryan. It was a great interview. It was nice to get some insight on this Temple team that, you know, first year head coach, potentially new quarterback situation, a lot going on right now in Philly. And before we get to Ryan, we'll take a short break. I am now joined by Ryan Wallen of Owls Daily over at 24-7 Sports. Ryan, thank you for joining me. Of
1: course, Greg. My pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: First off, I want to start with the current state of um, kind of the rebuild that Temple's in right now. Three years of Rod Carey, um, underwhelming his time over at Temple. They bring in Stan Drayton this offseason. What did you initially think of this hire? You know, what's kind of the overall feeling um, around the program of how Drayton can turn it around over there?
1: You know, when Drayton was first hired, it was sort of the underwhelming hire. I think most people had wanted Fran Brown because of the connection, obviously, to Matt Rule and, and the Temple, but. You know ultimately arthur johnson and and president wingard decided on hiring stan drayton who in his own right you know had a pedigree of developing great running backs uh guys who went to the nfl and like brian westbrook and carlos hyde ezekiel elliott all guys that you know made a name for themselves not only at the college level but then on Sundays. so um ultimately you know they, they he was the hire um you know he came in and he said the right things right away, stuff that Rod Carey had not said, you know, when he was hired. And he he said that, you know, he was going to reinstill Temple Tough back into this program. They were going to bring back the single digits. They were going to be a tough football team that was going to be built around running the football and playing tough defense. You know, that that winning formula that had seen some success at Temple under Matt Rule and partially under Jeff Collins before he had departed for uh, Georgia Tech. So, you know, that that was what initially seemed like it won the players over. Um, he, he said that there were a lot of hard conversations during the spring, you know, just establishing that trust factor, because he, he is some of these players' fourth head coach in four years. And, you know, that that's a lot to go through for these players. You know, at the end of the day, these still are kids who – have been told something by somebody and then, you know, they feel like they're being abandoned every couple months or couple years. And it's tough, but, you know, Drayton won over the locker room in in establishing that trust. He said he felt like they really built that family aspect early on. And and now they are just trying to see that product and the fruits of that labor on the field. Um, Fans seem to have a good impression of him so far. It seems like the fans are very happy about, you know, the, the message that he has portrayed um thus far product on the field obviously uh we have to see yet you know we're, we're two games into the drayton era and then we had one we've seen pretty one pretty okay game and one pretty bad game against duke so still a little early on to give that judgment but i think for a guy that had not been a head coach and that was probably the biggest criticism before let alone a coordinator um hadn't even been a coordinator before um that, that was probably the biggest criticism, but it seems like he, he's doing the right things and he brought in experienced coordinators to help run his staff and, and they seem to be doing a pretty good job so far in, in that aspect and also on the recruiting trail.
0: You mentioned just two games into the season. Obviously not not a lot on paper yet for either side. Two quarterbacks for Temple we have seen, though. Dewan Mathis coming over from Georgia, struggled in that season opener you mentioned against Duke Um And then fumbled twice in week two. E.J. Warner came in, took over, played well against a Lafayette team, leading them to victory. Um, Just a freshman, but do you see Warner um, preparing to take this starting role, or is it a little too early to tell?
1: It seems that Warner is going to be poised to start this week against Rutgers. Um, You know, Drayton won officially confirmed that Warner was going to be the guy going forward but after last week and after that week one performance against Duke you know Dewan just didn't look sharp he was making some bad decisions bad throws and like you mentioned he couldn't hang on to the football he had four fumbles in about five quarters of action and Drayton said that was simply you know too much for for him to be able to keep biting the bullet on before making that change so Warner is going to get first team reps this week. He didn't say that he was going to get all the first team reps. So Mathis probably still is in the mix there, but I think that Warner, it would be quite surprising if we don't see him start on Saturday, you know, um, especially cause you, you make the change for that Lafayette game. Warner comes out, plays really well, scores on his first two drives under center and, you know, ultimately leads them to that win against Lafayette. Um, I, I, it would be very unusual, you know, to then put Mathis back in that position that where he is the starter. But, you know, who knows? Um, they, the Owls also have Quincy Patterson on their roster, who had started at Virginia Tech and North Dakota State last year. Um, so he could come into the mix, might see some packages with him this week. But uh, I, I think it's Warner's job to lose at this point now because – even though he's a freshman from what we saw on Saturday, you know, he, he was a very accurate passer, played well above his, his age you know, for being an 18-year-old, uh, delivered the ball with pinpoint accuracy, got quick releases, and it was really something you, know, you hadn't seen from a temple office and offense in a couple years.
0: You know, Seeing multiple quarterbacks is something that you know, Rutgers fans have grown accustomed to early in this season. Evan Simon and Gavin Wimps had a split time um while Noah Vetrel remains out with an injury do you see uh, a situation where Temple kind of takes on this role or are they looking to nail down that one consistent starter week after week
1: i think Drayton ultimately wants one consistent starter you know even though he was going through preseason camp and all without naming a starter he had said you know he wants a guy that's going to be able to command the all offense and whoever's going to be that guy that takes the bull by the horns command the offense lead the group score points that was going to be the guy Not to say that there weren't going to be other packages for those other quarterbacks, like I mentioned with Patterson, but I think ultimately he wants one guy who he can build around and build an offense around moving forward.
0: And looking at the weapons now that these quarterbacks have to work with, um, Jose Barbone in particular leads um, Temple in receptions and receiving yards hasn't caused a touchdown just yet but there's probably a lot of them coming for him this season Um, the secondary of Rutgers came in as a strength for that defensive unit so it should be a good battle there what should they expect from Barbone they're obviously going to have to be um, preparing for him and game planning against him on the outside
1: you know Barbone was a guy actually who coming into the season uh, wasn't going to wasn't expected you know to be that number one target and so far has really exceeded expectations in that regard you know with with he was the leading returning receiver for temple's unit but you know the temple got a transfer and uh adonica sanders from georgia tech who came in and earned a single digit early on so you know people have really expected him to kind of take on that number one role be the go-to guy you know be the guy that you know mathis was going to throw to every day but You know, or even in the Duke game when Mathis was playing and all, it seemed like Barbone was usually the primary option. You know, they were designing a lot of routes for him. He was getting open, and really he's been the only receiver that really has consistently been one that can get open. And he's made some really good plays, and that's not to say Sanders hasn't. Um, Sanders just kind of seems like he's been fitting in that role as the number two guy on the outside, and then the Owls have a couple guys in the slot that they can use, and Ahmad Anderson – uh, that you know that he's he's a guy that has really good speed once he gets in the open field he just sometimes has the uh problems holding on to the ball um but again you know if that's that's going to be a a thing that Temple has to battle with this week you know is ball security because turnovers have been a a killer so far for this offense and, and that's um that's not a good sign, I guess when you're when you're looking to win some games uh and then it's early going, but like I said, it's early uh understand Drayton you know there's going to be some miscues, but all security's one that you know coaches can't fix
0: you know Drayton was a running back himself, you mentioned his pedigree as a running back coach, um you know whether it be Florida to Ohio State, even in the nFL with uh during his time with the Bears. What have you seen from the ground game that he's implemented so far this season? You mentioned um, it's going to be an area where this offense leans on over the course of the season.
1: Yeah, when, you know, the run game actually has been something that is even a more limited sample size than what we've seen from the passing game. Because once that Duke game got started and, you know, the the course of the game started developing, Temple kind of abandoned the run, um, getting down early. and playing from behind, and they, they were not seeing any success there. So they really didn't get many carries, the running backs, in that game. So not a whole lot to work with there. So really the only sample size we have is from the Lafayette game. And, you know, we, we've seen – and rotate the backs um he, he seems like he's really been given edward sadie and and darvon hubbard who's a transfer from texas a&m the most of the work and then Jakari norwood kind of coming in and, and seeing some packages certain looks and more as a speed option out of the backfield there um but those three guys are getting the majority of the carries right now but temple like i said earlier they're, they're just trying to run between the tackles that's primarily what they're trying to do right now is is reestablish them as a running team run first team and that's going to open up the play action pass and you know hopefully take some pressure off a a freshman quarterback in ej warner now
0: switching over to the defensive side a bit nine sacks so far for temple in these two games um the defensive line has some guys up front that could get to the quarterback and that's not including um jordan mcgee obviously at linebacker you know strictly talking defensive line but we'll throw mcgee into the mix um Again, just two games in, but has this unit performed um, up to its expectations coming into the season? How about the the speed and the size of the defensive line thus far?
1: Yeah, I've been really impressed with the defensive line so far. You know that that was one of Temple's biggest problems last year was being able to you know clog the middle and you know stop the run, get to the quarterback. In all regards, they the D line really struggled. And, and yes, there were injuries last year in that group. Um, yes, they were a little short after players had transferred out like Efine Maje and Chris Banks, but you know, that that was still something that they thought they had there, but it just never developed throughout the course of the season. So, you know, they they really have exceeded expectations. You know, Darian Varner is a guy who kind of came out of the woodworks and earned a single digit, has played really well so far in stopping the run and in pass rush. Zach Gill, Jalen Satchel, Demeric Morris, all have done really well at the nose tackle spot and rotating in and out of there, and and that's what you know Temple needs to do. That's what their foundation of their defense in the years that they saw their most success. They had a solid nose tackle who was up there clogging the middle, and they were stopping the run. You know, you mentioned guys like Michael Dogby, Dan Archibong. Matt Ioannidis, all guys who now are playing on Sundays and, and that's what Temple needs Is and that's what co- defensive line coach Antoine Smith said when he came in. He said I want a f- three 300 pound guys up front who can all stop the run, who can all pass rush, we're going to rotate them, we're going to play them at all three positions and they're going to get after it and he said I think he, he pulled out some stat that in his 18 plus years of coaching or something he's had an all conference player in all but like one or two of those seasons so He's had high expectations for his group, and uh, I think they know that. And they've so far really put forth that effort, and you know, you're know, you seeing a lot better effort from them this year.
0: And when looking at Rutgers, they were a team that has um, some depth in the backfield. They definitely have speed back there that they're trying to show in different ways, but they still struggle to get the ball downfield in the passing game. Um, whether it be because of you know the receiver's not getting separation or the multi quarterback system no one really getting in a rhythm you know whatever you want to put your finger on that in terms of Temple secondary does that unit have the ability to continue to take away that downfield passing game kind of make them a one dimensional team you know make Rutgers have to run the ball
1: yeah, and, you know, I think that's where Temple actually is vulnerable this year. And last year, if you look at the numbers, you know, Temple had a top five pass defense in the country. But that was because every team just ran the ball on them for 300 yards a game. And I think teams really didn't pass on him as much as they needed to. Um, so I think that's where Temple's actually vulnerable. If you look at the stats right now, Temple's really bad in pass efficiency defense. I think they're dead last in the American, 126 in the country. Um, so they, that's where they've kind of gotten burnt. The the start of the Duke game is prime example of that. You know, Duke's quarterback starts out 15-of-15 15 15 passing, throws for two early scores, 230 yards in the first half. It, it was not pretty, and it, it was just, I think, a combination of missed tackles, maybe early game jitters, some hesitation there, some inexperienced guys playing. It was a combination of everything, and so far... Stan Drayton has stuck with the guys that you know he, he played in that game and single digit Jalen McMurray who, who has actually looked the best out of the cornerbacks. Um, looks like he could be really somebody special in a few years, but that corner spot opposite him has looked real shaky so far. Not sure who's going to get the start this week. They actually had moved one of their safeties to cornerback uh, Corey Palmer, who I'm sure some Rutgers fans are familiar with the name and Rutgers recruiting him, but um you know he has now moved to corner played a little bit there temple's got a couple other guys in dominique hill who's a south carolina transfer who didn't look bad i guess against lafayette but he also didn't look good um but veteran guys Keyshawn paul and cam ruiz kind of have fallen out of the equation which i was a little surprised about i know ruiz is working back from an injury but not sure why Keyshawn paul is not getting more looks there but um, I, I think that's where probably Rutgers is going to win the game uh, on Saturday. If, if they do come away with a win is they're going to have to find some consistency passing because it seems like the front seven for Temple is pretty established, but that's the secondary is a little, a little shaky right now.
0: That kind of leads me into my next point I was going to bring up. If you had to put your finger on a matchup, whether it be um, a strength for Temple looking to take advantage of a weakness for Rutgers or vice versa, any matchup on either side of the ball that could swing this game in one direction or the other.
1: I think it's just that, like I said, that, you know, I, I think that is is Rutgers quarterbacks going to be able to move the ball, put some consistency together in the passing game? You know, I, I not to say that Rutgers isn't going to be able to run the ball. This is going to be, you know, Temple's real first test, I think, of them getting consistent uh, running backs coming at them now. And, you know, Kyle Monungai obviously is a, a very good running back, and, and Rutgers has developed him into a really good player. But, you know, they're going to have to see some success passing the ball. And I think Greg Shiano knows that. I think they have scouted this Temple team out to see that that is the weakness so far. I mean, when Lafayette could throw against them, if they had a decent quarterback, that game probably last Saturday is a lot closer than what it was. And that's nothing to take away from Lafayette's quarterback, but they just did not throw the ball, you know, more than five yards downfield. So if, if Rutgers wants to try and, and do something and exploit Temple's defense, I think that's where they're going to have to do it. Um, as far as Temple's side of the ball, I, I think we are, we're going to have to see some consistent quarterback play. And, you know, I think the O-line is going to have to play really well in that game all around, not just in protecting a true freshman quarterback if E.J. Warner is the guy, but also getting the run game going. The run game still has not gotten going to the point where Drayton wants it to be. It's not been consistent enough. And, you know, there's some injuries right now along the Temple offensive line that that make me worry a little bit about how Temple's going to perform come Saturday. You know, Adam Klein left the game against Lafayette with an injury. It looked like he was kicked in the helmet. So presumably a concussion may not be that bad, but haven't gotten official word on that, but not sure if he's going to end up playing. And Temple's starting center, Rich Rodriguez, had also been injured a little bit. She got shaken up, left and then came back in the game, but not sure also what his status is gonna be, you know. Something popped back up throughout the week. So I th- I think that's where the, the biggest thing is gonna be is can Temple's offensive line, you know, do something against that Rutgers front that that has been so far so good this year.
0: And I got to get a final prediction here before I let you go. Obviously, last year, one-sided matchup in the season opener for these two teams. Um, Rutgers is an 18-point favorite I saw as of now. This game obviously being played in Philadelphia. Give me a final score. Who wins and what's the score going to be?
1: Yeah, I just I haven't seen enough yet from Temple against quality opponents to make me want to pick them yet. And I'm, I'm not saying that Rutgers hasn't has played you know the the cream of the crop right now because obviously bc has looked regressed and wagner is one of the worst fcs teams in in the country arguably but you know i i think rutgers right now just has the advantage has more consistency has more talent on their roster um and with a true freshman quarterback going out there you never know what you're gonna get i mean one week they could look like Kurt Warner out there not the EJ's father but you know the next week you know who knows what we're going to see from him and, and if the pressure really gets to him in a big game situation especially in a in an atmosphere where it sounds like the lower bowl is going to be pretty much sold out there at the length so going to be a lot of found fans there and there's sounds like there's going to be a lot of Rutgers fans coming down so uh I'll go Rutgers 38 Temple seventeen.
0: 38-17, so slight slight cover for Rutgers there, potentially, in that last quarter um, when looking at Vegas. We'll see how it all plays out on Saturday. Ryan, I appreciate the time you've taken joining me talking this matchup.
1: Of course, Craig. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you again to Ryan Wallen for joining me, giving his thoughts on the upcoming game between Rutgers and Temple. It was interesting to hear him talk about the quarterback situation for the Owls this season because... It's different than Rutgers, but it's interesting how they've also showed off different options in the first two games. Dewan Mathis coming over, fumbling problems immediately, um, found him on the bench. You would think coming in a Georgia transfer would come, you know, change the position a bit, be able to give some of that talent. Um, but that just, that was not the case. Obviously, he couldn't hold on to the ball and was underwhelming throwing, you know, against Duke. You see that Lafayette game again. and inferior opponent but that was able to get EJ Warner some experience and he played well so that gives the freshman a little confidence moving forward and it seems like he's going to be the guy Ryan said it and just from reading different reports it seems like that's the direction the Owls are going to go and it's because of his ability as a passer and his ability to take care of the football which seems like the main thing Stan Drayton seems like he's a no-nonsense guy when it comes to fumbles when it comes to turning the ball over and that showed You know, five or six quarters of football, you put the ball on the ground four times, that's a problem for any coach. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of work their quarterbacks. And Ryan mentioned Temple would like to nail down a starter, nail down one guy that's going to play. And that's the way it should be. Again, I'm not – I'm not a fan of this multi-quarterback system. I don't believe it works long term. And we're gonna see that with Rutgers, but you gotta remember Noah Vedrel hasn't even suited up yet. In two games he hasn't played. And then who then what happens? Do you, you know, move Wimsat to the bench? Do you move Evan Simon to the bench? You can't do that because, you know, he's earned the right for these reps. So is WimSat gonna be put in the back? I think that would be the way if you're gonna use two quarterbacks. Vedrill shows off the ability to run. He's better as a runner, so that gives you that dynamic. Evan Simon, more of a passer, so you still have the two guys there. And then you let Wimsat sit another year, let him develop and you know get some time in some different games. But to play three quarterbacks would be a bit much. It would seem difficult. And Greg Schiano has said countless good things about the room that he has, the quarterback room. But at the end of the day, these kids want to play. And they want to show what they can do. So while they have a good attitude, I still don't think this is the best, the best way to go moving forward. But again, I'm not there every day. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not practicing with the team. So we'll, we'll see, especially once Big Ten starts, once the team starts losing a couple games, you know what this coaching staff decides to do and how the players react to it. It will be very interesting. As for this game, this has to be... You know, a win for Rutgers. It'd be very disappointing to lose this game. It's not going to be 61-14. to Temple is improved in certain ways from last season. Rod Carey was just a mess. The very underwhelming three years. They bring in Stan in. and We don't really know what he is yet, but the move to Warner already shows the team that he's no nonsense. Um, tough-minded guy, former player in his own right knows how to coach up running backs, so Rutgers will have to be strong up front. And this has to be a game that they move to 3-0, and heading against a struggling Iowa team who scored 14 points, just one touchdown in two games to start this season. So who knows, um, 7 o'clock start next Saturday. This has to be a game that they, again, assert their dominance, show what they can do on both sides of the ball. And this is another instance where they might have to get to the outside use their speed. Um, in the run game and could potentially get some weapons downfield involved. Ryan mentioned in our interview that temple is a bit weak in the secondary they could be exposed in the secondary so Sanfur shake downfield you know get Sean Ryan involved. show these guys that you're gonna be able to throw the football because that's been the problem for years now. They have not had that downfield passing attack. they have struggled to get consistent play from their quarterback and again it's a combination of how bad the offensive line has been and you know Noah Vedrill not being as strong in the pass game than he is using his legs but it's definitely something that you have to get involved but the depth the speed and the ability to run the football is something that is going to benefit Rutgers come Big Ten play and they're going to get a test against this Owls front that came in as a strength. They came in with speed, came in with three or four guys up front um, that could get to the quarterback. Jordan McGee's a talented linebacker in the middle that can blow up plays. So this, this game's going to be a test in certain ways, but at the end of the day, Rutgers has to go in, you know, assert their dominance early, and get out of here with another lopsided victory You know, if they want any chance of, of doing something this season. So it's going to be interesting to see when the game kicks off Saturday at 2 o'clock before moving in to Big Ten play. We will continue to provide full coverage of the matchup against Temple, betting trends, if you're interested in that, full game preview, um, what Shiano has said leading up to this game, and of course on game day, full recaps of the game before we move into the Big Ten schedule, beginning with the home conference home opener against Iowa. So until then, everybody, enjoy the game this weekend. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to the On the Banks podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search On the Banks.